You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there, welcome to this week's podcast. This week I had a chat with a lovely lady called Bridget Whitlow and Bridget is a psychologist and she's really active in the eating disorder advocacy world as well. I met her, I think it was this year at the, um, there's this feast symposium, it's wonderful, it's, um, you know, feast is um, the parent carer um, non-profit that helps parents practice things like FBT with their children and um, so I had the pleasure of meeting Bridget there and we decided that we should do a podcast about the subject of the scale and this is just more like us having a chat. I have to admit I did forget that I was recording for a podcast. That happens more often than you think when I'm talking to people and um, so yeah this is just us having a chat about the scale. I did actually for the beginning have enough uh, enough about me to remember I was doing a podcast to ask Bridget to introduce herself. So here's Bridget. Um, so my name is Bridget Whitlow and I am a private practice therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area and I do a lot of family-based therapy work and do a lot of exposure work and also compassion-focused therapy. Um, and uh, I love uh, learning more about this field and am grateful to be talking with you. Yeah, and I am with you as well. And today we're going to talk about the subject of the scale, um, <laughs> which is probably has a big emotional component to many people listening, just even the word, the scale. And um, yeah, so where do we start with this one, Bridget? Well, you know, this is, this is a really, really interesting one because on one hand, a lot of... Um, uh, work that I do involves the scale where I do a weight in addition to the weight that perhaps the pediatrician or the medical team is doing in the family-based therapy. And sometimes we start out, you know, in the in the manual, you are definitely supposed to talk about it, but um, that's not always how it rolls out. And uh, that whole purpose behind that is to, you know, do exposures around it because it does bring up a lot of emotions. And then for some people, you know, they just really don't want to have anything to do with the uh -huh. scale really uh -huh. ever and and that's kind of okay too so you know it kind of depends on the person just just like anything um not one thing is going to be a great fit but it is definitely an emotional equipment yeah and so tell me when you say in the manual it says that so it says that that people should be even if say if if you're working with an adult person or, um and they are expressing that they know about themselves that at whatever stage they are in in recovery, that using a scale is not helpful to them. The, the manual would say that you would still go ahead and, and make them know how much they weigh? Well, I mean, if you're going by the letter of the law, and that's, you know, just how I was trained, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, since I'm in private practice, and I'm not in a study situation, or, you know, a clinic that where I have to follow, you know, a certain mm, protocol, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, then I would certainly say, okay, and I would talk about it, like, uh, you know, what's that going to bring up? Because that's always fruitful to, to figure out what comes up for people. And maybe we start off not using it and maybe we check it out later. It just kind of depends on what's, what, what's going on for that person. But no, I would never, unless it was somebody that was 
uh, on the edge of being needing to be hospitalized, then I might really push it because we do have to make sure that they're getting the level of care that's needed. Which, but they could be blind weight though, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, I have a scale where the uh, output is separate from the actual scale. So, you know, I can be holding it any which way and they can face me or whatever, but it can be a very good blind weight. Yeah. 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 And so I, th- I think that the the listening to people is, you think it would go without saying, but obviously it doesn't go without saying. Um, and yeah. I just know from my own experience that there were certain, it depended on, on where I was at mentally a lot of the time. And also my own body weight had a huge impact on how I could process things mentally. Mm, And so I I know that there were certain stages in my recovery um, where it, it just would only have had a negative impact. Um, I know that there are also certain stages in my recovery where actually I was able to use the scale as a motivational tool. Like, Mm. yes, this is going up and yes, I'm doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's just one person experience massively different dependent on my attitude and um, my physical state of malnutrition or not. And um, I think that every everybody's different and that also can come into it i know that some people's actual experiences of treatment can make them have a reaction to being weighed yeah yeah absolutely and i'm really curious to hear from you you know how you said at different points of your recovery it was a motivational piece mm-hmm. i think that would be really helpful for people to learn more about because that that's definitely a turning point oh yeah for sure but that's really I think that a lot of the time you can be in recovery in inverted commas, which is like, yeah, I'm in recovery, but I'm not going to gain any weight, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, in, in my opinion, that's well, that in that case, you're not really in recovery because recovery, if you are very underweight, requires weight gain. And so if you can't commit to the weight gain, then good luck because you're not going to be able to recover without it. And mm-hmm. I think there was a there was a point when I realized that that I could not recover from anorexia and suppress my body weight. Mm-hmm. And um when I kind of it sounds really 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 obvious. But, <laughs> but I swear it wasn't because for years I would say I I really you know I I really want to gain weight. I really want to recover, but I wasn't my heart wasn't in it. I was Mm. saying those words and still restricting food. Mm -hmm. I was saying those words and still compulsively exercising. And so Mm. they were just words. They were just what I I sort of, I'm sure that there was a part of me that wanted to recover, but I didn't want the weight gain associated. I wasn't committed to the weight gain. And Mm. then finally, I sort of worked that out in my head. And then I did commit to the weight gain. And once I committed to the weight gain, weight Mm -hmm. gain became a trophy. It was mm. like, this is me doing recovery. Every, every um, mm. notch that that scale moved up mm. was like, I'm actually doing this. And <laughs> because I had committed to doing it, it, it really it gave me this feeling of achievement. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was able to use the scales to motivate myself. And, and actually seeing them go up gave me more energy and just like, yes, I'm going to challenge even more. Mm. I'm going to... Um, and but that's not going to work for everyone and mm-hmm. not everybody's you know I I didn't have any um past experiences because I I didn't have any treatment experiences I didn't have 
experiences of the scale being like going and standing on that scale being this big kind of like I don't know moment of truth or mm-hmm. of the people watching or anything like that and so maybe my ability to do that would have been inhibited if the scales had taken on this other meaning to me if my experience had been like this is somebody else is watching this as well and I'm going to get judged mm-hmm. based, based on and also not just judgment but implications As in, Mm -hmm. you're going to be made to maybe stay in treatment longer if something hasn't happened and all of that sort of additional anxieties. Yeah, yeah. And when you say judged, do you mean like judged by yourself or judged by whoever else is in the room? Well, I think both, because if somebody else is in the room, then they are obviously having a judgment about that number that may have implications for your future. Um, And But definitely, I think self-judging as well yeah uh i just think there's probably there can be uh many 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 things that go into that experience of getting on a scale and i never did experience getting on a scale in a treatment provider's office i I don't know what that Mm -hmm. would feel like um because Mm -hmm. i didn't go through that so i'm just i often wonder how that would have influenced my relationship with the scale yeah. Well, and I wonder too about with the therapist, I mean, just from your point of view too. Getting on a scale with a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, something I haven't experienced. I think it would, it, it could, it would really depend on how, if, if say for example, if I was someone that said, look, I've had, I've been obsessively weighing myself for as long as I can remember. I don't want to see this number anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. participate in because knowing what a mental impact seeing that number has, a lot of people do think just get to that point where they're like, you know what? I don't want to know. Like, yeah. I just don't want to see that. That's not helpful for me right now. And it just does things to my brain that is very energetically consuming. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think if I, ha- if I had a therapist that was sort of like, no, you need to do this because you need to <laughs> desensitize yourself or whatever, then mm. I'd probably have many feelings of anger about that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah. 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 But that's just yeah. me. I tend to react to that sort of situation with anger. Yeah. Well, and that's understandable. I mean, I, I and I don't I don't think there's anyone in the field that would push it quite like, you know, like you need to do this, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of us do a lot of blind waves. So, yeah. Well, I've yeah. definitely had clients that have been told that um and, and made to and so various things and yeah. um it's often a discussion that I do have with clients um because they might me being pushed one way or the other. And I just always say to people, well, what do you know about yourself and your history and your experience and how you feel about this right now as to Mm -hmm. if this is something that's sensible right now, if this is something that's helpful right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And because uh, ultimately the number, the the information that's on that scale is only so useful anyway. Yes. Like, (laughs) yeah, it it doesn't, it, it's, I, I sometimes do often wonder like, well, uh, how important is this actually? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If this moves a nano nano jolt either way, like what have we actually achieved? Especially, and sometimes I really do wish that we could move towards understanding that mental state markers will indicate for recovery yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one because I know you know in the work that I do in the family based work, you know, um, yeah, the little incremental m- numbers, but it's one of the only um, objectives. Mm-hmm things that we have to go on so it is not perfect by any means no Um, it's not and um it's so it's so difficult though because as you said especially if you have if you're trying to help somebody who's recover 
to recover who's relatively resistant to recovery, then it's very difficult to have any other measure of anything actually happening. Um, mm. But even even then, I think that sometimes using that as a measure can build this almost this false sense of security because mm-hmm. um, I did go through a phase when I was being um, weighed by a parent, and mm. I you know I could ma- manipulate that scale, I just, mm. and and that's I think sometimes we've got to actually understand that people are intelligent, and yeah, if if somebody wants to manipulate a scale, it's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's probably something really unnerving for other people, you know, family members and loved ones to hear. Absolutely. But that doesn't make it any less true. And so yeah. once I, yeah. once that problem is understood, then then that can actually be understood that sometimes even even mm-hmm. seeing a, a weight go up is, is you know, it just right. if somebody has to be invested in recovery, really, to make a full recovery, I think, and you can you can get them so far. But mm-hmm. the more that we can actually um, make people feel that they can be honest and they don't have to be manipulating something, um, I think the better. And that requires listening to people because why would somebody be honest if they're just being shut down and not listened to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I'm thinking about um, is sometimes when there is a lot of emotions around the scale, I have this other scale um, that I got that when you step on it, it says things like, um, creative or sexy, you know, like it just has different adjectives. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, so sometimes mm-hmm. that can bring in like a playful element. Absolutely. And, and sense of humor. And yeah, that, that's, that's, I hadn't seen or, or, or heard of that before, but that's wonderful. Cause I think anything that can make us laugh can really diffuse that stressful and anxiety situation. That's cool. Yeah. And then I'll bring, you know, have the parents get on, you know, so then everybody's got their little adjective mm-hmm. and Sometimes that can be helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that the other thing that I, I just always tickles me a little bit when I hear this happening with adults <laughs> is that somebody might say to me, you know, like, oh, I, I'm being blind weighed um, because my therapist says that, you know, I, I shouldn't know my weight or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wait a minute. So this person is a free ranging adult person. And the therapist <laughs> thinks that blind weighing them is going to stop them knowing their weight if they want to know mm, their weight. Like, can mm, we, can we give people some, some credit? <laughs> some, you know, like it, it just kind of makes me giggle. Cause then I'll be like, yeah, you know your weight, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's uh, so I just think the more that we can work with people and say, well, what's actually going to happen, especially if they're an adult, it's not about, it's just like, let's brainstorm this. Let's see what's, what's, what's going to work right now. And, because then you'll have their buy-in and then be more likely to do it or not. I guess it's harder, though, with children. And, and yeah. In terms of buy-in? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, interestingly, you know, depending on the age and the development, you know, some kids really don't have a grasp on what weight is. And so, like, if, you know, often I'll say, oh, where do you, how much do you think you weigh? And it's these numbers that just wouldn't make sense at all. Um, you know, and so even talking about the weight or them knowing the weight, it just doesn't make sense because then it sort of trains them to think in that way. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I think that it's sometimes I think one of the stereotypes about, um, say, anorexia is that somebody's obsessed with their weight and actually wanting mm. to be thin and things like that. And some kids are just actually oblivious yeah. to, to their weight. And so then yes. the idea gets planted though and they, right. they start paying attention because they're like, Oh, obviously this is important because people keep talking about this too. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't, are there ever, have you ever, ever come across any guidelines for um, treatment providers around that sort of situation, how to take the focus off weight? Um, meaning like with kids mm-hmm. or just in general? Do with kids, I think, specifically. Um, I don't know. I, I really I haven't seen any guidelines per se, but I, I just really follow the lead of the parents and what they know about their kid and, and how, you know, um, what I know about the kid as well. And so if it just doesn't make sense to share it, then we might just do a quick weigh in and, mm-hmm. you know, that's that no big deal. Just move on quickly. And then the parents know and they can keep track. And so far, um, that hasn't been problematic. You, so you talk to parents quite often um, in that sort of situation then? Yeah. So often the way my meeting is structured is I'll meet with the individual uh, for 10, 15 minutes and, you know, check in on a variety of different things, how they're doing, get their weight, um, just get an overall check in, see if there's anything we need to talk about, maybe share some skills. And then the parents will come in and uh, if it's blind weighing, then I'll just show them the weight when I get them in the waiting room so they know kind of where things are headed. Um, And then we come in the room and we start you know, talking about what's working, what isn't working, and so forth. If it's with, you know, a, a child or an adolescent or, you know, a young adult that's having uh, loved loved ones involved. Have you ever been in a sort of um, uh, situation where what the parents, the, the information that you got from the parent has kind of surprised you and, and really helped maybe inform you take a different path or, or anything like that? In terms of um, weight mm-hmm. or the scale? The scale in terms of weighing, yeah. Um, only, only if they've shared, I think, I guess that only if they've shared that there's not a good sense of what weight is or anything of that, that, you know, I guess that would make me take a different path. That's the only thing that's coming to my mind, Tabitha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I really like it that you actually are listening to the parents. It's, it's key. Everybody needs to be listened to for sure in this. Have you, have you sort of experienced the opposite sometimes where you think, Maybe the the parent is a little bit too focused on weight mm. and, and could be you need to kind of like maybe try and help them back off a little bit so that the child doesn't become over focused on it. Yeah, I think I think that can definitely uh, come up. And I'd say that's a lot more common because, of course, there's a lot of anxiety in how, you know, their their kiddo is doing. And so I might talk with them a little bit separately or I might talk with them together just depending on how things are going um, and just say, oh, you know, let's really pay attention to how the mood is and, and how things are going, you know, around the meal. Like it's great that sh- there was some spontaneous eating. That's awesome. That's a good sign of recovery. So I'll just emphasize other areas that we should put our attention to typically and that helps I admire you working with children I I'm 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 one of those people that's really not very good with children (laughs) (laughs) I just just don't know what to say you know I just talk to children as if they're adults a lot of the time and then I'm just like oh this child's not responding the way that (laughs) I don't know they might like that (laughs) maybe I don't know um but yeah it's I, it must be it must be very very different. I'm, I can't imagine actually just talking to a really innocent little kid that really doesn't <laughs> even understand what weight means and mm-hmm. um, just uh, how can we protect that innocence as long as possible? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it it it, it is tough, especially when everyone around them so worried and um, yeah, organizing to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so what do you, in overall, do you see any, any um, patterns in, say, with, with adults? Yeah. What's actually um, more, do you think more people actually find it helpful to know what they weigh or more people find it helpful to not? Um, again, that kind of depends like what you're saying on where you're at in recovery. Um, and so I think a big pattern, when you first asked the question, the thing that immediately came to mind was a sense of guilt. Um, so, and it's like, a there's no winning. It's like guilt if there wasn't weight restoration or guilt if there was, and, you know, working through that, um, uh, that seems to be a, a big, big theme. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes um, one thing that I get from from talking to people is that um, other people's reactions to their weight gain mm. can affect them more than sometimes than the actual number does. Um, mm-hmm. And so their reaction might be kind of like, oh, wow, you know, you gained a load of weight. It actually mm-hmm. more affects them more than, than the number going up. Um, mm-hmm. And... It's, I think that that sometimes it, it could be like, especially if you're a, um, a clinician who really cares about the client and has been worried about their weight and is just, you know, genuinely happy that that's, that that's, that's happened. I think that it can be maybe quite a natural thing to have that sort of reaction or um, congratulations and maybe making a bigger, bigger deal out of it than really should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was wondering if that comes up more in, um, you know, a medical office versus a therapist's office. Again, you know, I'm, it's just me. I don't hear what other people are doing. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I try and keep it as neutral as possible. Like, oh, okay, you know, things are steady. Do you want feedback? Not want any feedback. I mean, if we're doing a blind weight um, and okay, it's trending in the right direction or, oh, it seems a little lower. Is there anything different? You know, just trying to use it as a jumping point to talk about how things are going and what might be really challenging and what, where we could set some goals around. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I have actually come up quite a lot and more so in the NHS than anywhere else is that somebody may be requesting, I don't want to know my weight. And yes. they'll say that to the nurse and they'll say that to the doctor. And then just, I can't tell you how many different routes to just just clumsiness that has then led to that person being shown their weight or, or something like they they might... I know I had some person who got lab results back and they'd not mm. shown her the weight. The doctor hadn't done it. And then it was plastered at the top of the lab results. I, I had another one who went sort of had to go back out to the nurse to book another appointment. And the nurse was just kind of like writing down the wet, her weight and saying the numbers out loud. She was like mumbling to herself as she was oh. just like, Oh, people, can we not just get this together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, it, it is surprising. I think it's just, it's just so hard when it's, when there's a bigger, system to like keep it I mean not that that's an excuse but um I see that too and that is really really it's really frustrating I I don't know what the fix is I think that a lot of the problem is it's just people not understanding the significance of that for some people and that that, that's really important just because you know it might not be particularly significant to them and their brains um and so just you know, they might be like, oh, yeah, that person doesn't want to know their weight. And then they've forgotten that five minutes later and they're writing it down on top of the yeah. next appointment sheet or whatever. And um, I do sometimes just try some, to try and politely, like when I hear that and I'm in communication with someone's doctor, just try and politely remind them like, yeah, you know, there was a reason that <laughs> that person requested you not to tell them 
your weight because you maybe pass that on to the rest of your staff. <laughs> like, yes. Um, yeah. I, and I've, I've had some, I, I've had that happen really bad sort of situations, just like in situations where someone was really not in a good place to hear that mm. number and it had a massively you know negative effect so I yeah. just think that I, I really wish that doctors could understand that and especially in the NHS and I think it's pretty much the same in the USA as well where if you go to a doctor's appointment I could go to a doctor's appointment about something hurting in my foot and the first mm. thing they'll do is put me on the scales right 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 and can you refuse to can you just say oh, you I can mm-hmm yeah, and and I do, and I don't. I don't give a damn what the scales say. Like, I, I really don't care. But I do just for the just for the point of it, just to yeah. like because sometimes it might spark a conversation with the nurse when I say no, you'd rather not weigh me, and they'll be like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm like, yeah, do you know that for certain people with eating disorder history and this, that, and the other, that actually being weighed can be very negative for health, and mm-hmm. um, it's just using it as an opportunity to educate actually annoys me when people the nurse doesn't say anything and it's just like oh yeah don't yeah. wait. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> gonna tell her anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's great though using that time to educate I mean that's that's wonderful yeah and I think that the other thing that's um really uh hopeful for people to understand is that I can genuinely 100% say that I can get on the scales and I have zero emotional reaction to whatever it says mm-hmm. and that was not true for many years of my life um and so that it's just that that recovery can actually get to the point where something that has felt like it's you know been an obsession in your head and has really hold you hostage to it can have absolutely no emotional reaction which I think is great to to hear you say that because yeah people I think I uh, feel that that's impossible and I'm curious like um what are the factors you think that went into that do you think it was partially exposure like what what do you identify? I, I think that there there has to be even if um, at a certain stage of recovery, it's it's not helpful for to see the scales. There has to there will yeah. become a point in recovery where I I know that for some people there just becomes a point where it's like yeah I can handle this now actually I'm ready to take this now I can handle it and then uh-huh. and then just exposing themselves to it or you know exposing self self somewhat but for me the bigger thing was just actually then not weighing myself like mm-hmm. I, I knew my weight but not weighing you know just like not weighing myself and then maybe weighing myself you know once a year or something and mm-hmm. and and just that that's that sort of way until till I got to the point where I suddenly realized that the scales had been in the bathroom but I hadn't even thought about them for yeah. months that I'd even forgot they were there um because it because there was a certainly a stage where say there was a stage where I had to take the scales out of the house Um, and not have any and that was really helpful and then there was a stage when it was actually motivating for me to get on them and and see it go up and that was that was a really that was very good for my relationship with the scale but I do think I'm a bit strange there I think that's less common than than for for most people in recovery Mm. that they that they go through that but maybe 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 not um and then there was a stage where it was like all right well you know what I don't actually even need like I would still feel a bit like I'd maybe walk into the bathroom and I'd see the scales there and I'd be like oh I could just pop on and check and then apart my room but you're like why what changes yeah. what different what, what difference is that number going to make why why and then I'd just be like so let's just not and then you know after 
after weeks, I'd suddenly realized that I, I was completely desensitized to even seeing them in the bathroom. It didn't even make me think, oh, I need to get on those. Um, and so I, I just I do think that it's um, relatively unsustainable for most people to completely walk throughout their life without knowing their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to work quite hard to do that that's, that's <laughs> yeah. with the doctors and things like that. But it probably is yeah. possible. But I do think that the 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 final step is is being able to know that and being able to have scales in the house and just not giving a shit. Yeah. Well, and I, I really like what you're saying too, Tabitha, about that, like pausing and going, why, what is that going to do? Yeah. And it reminds me, like on my little quote board I have up for the past few weeks is, is it useful? Because I think that it's good to take a pause and like, is that a useful thought or is that a useful behavior? Behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just taking time to check in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that... Um, also, our, our brains, what we, our actions inform our brain as to what's important or not. And I think at some point I began to understand that mm-hmm. I had, you know, constantly getting on the scales was informing my brain that that information was important because why else yes. would I be getting on the scales if that information was important? And so if we want our brains to start acting as if the number mm-hmm. on the scale isn't important, we have to teach our brains that the number on the scale isn't important. And you yeah. do that by not getting on the scale because why would you do that if it wasn't important? We only do things that are important to us or relevant. Yeah. I love that. You know, and it also brings up something um, that I think can be really challenging for some people who are athletes and perhaps uh, the scale is part of what they need to do to make a certain weight range, you know, either wrestlers or, you know, lightweight rowers or Mm. things like that. Um, I don't know if that's come up at all in, in the clients that you work with, but that can be really challenging. Well, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm one of those where I'm like, well, it's recovery or sport. Which one are you going to uh-huh. choose right now? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so I, I, usually I, I think that by the time somebody's, if, um, if they've chosen recovery, then really that shouldn't necessarily come up too much. But I think that there, there definitely, I think, are some maybe some circumstances, um, especially for you know different sorts of um, eating disorders, and when that's because we've got to remember, like I think we've mainly focused our, our um, discussion, or mostly I have been thinking about anorexia, but mm. binge eating disorder might yeah. not is an eating disorder that might not result in a um, lower weight representation, but mm. there can be just as much obsession with the scale. Yes. And there can be, so that really needs to be, the, the same things need to be taken through as to, or considered as to what's healthy for this person. I think that this is something also that's even less understood by um, treatment providers, mm. that somebody that's in a larger body can have a restrictive eating disorder and that the scale can cause a much greater um, yeah. restriction and worsen things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think we covered a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was great. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, I think the the scale is an interesting topic because it's not it's not one that there can really just be this um, guideline for do or don't. I just think it's completely dependent on the individual, and not just on that individual, but on that individual in that present moment, as in yeah. where they are in recovery at that present moment. And you, yeah, sounds yeah. like you, you see the same sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I think when it's, um, you know, a younger person, like a a child or a teenager, and they're doing FBT, it's a little bit different. It's usually more, okay, is this blind or 
are we all talking about it? Mm. Um, but yes, it is, it is very uh, specific to developmental level, uh, developmental level of the recovery of the person um, all, and where that person's at, factors. And that was that conversation. Big thanks to Bridget for chatting to me about that. She actually suggested the topic, so kudos to her, because I think that that is an important one. It's rather complicated as well, and there's no straightforward answer, as you probably gathered from all of the talking that we did about it. Um, I like that sort of question. I like that sort of discussion. And I like opening our minds to think that there's no one single right answer for every single person who has an eating disorder about anything, actually, in particular. Apart from the concepts of food and rest, I'm pretty convinced that those are, are not restricting. <laughs> not restricting is, I think, I am convinced that that applies to every single person who is recovering from an eating disorder. And not just people who are recovering from an eating disorder, just people in general. Anyway... So if you have any questions, you can always email me, info at tapathafra.com. You can get that contact through my website as well, if that's easier. And um, thanks for listening. Until next time, cheerio.